got something kind of crazy in the mail today. I'm not sure if you can see that. It says it's to Who Pods a Watchman. Let's go ahead and open this up and find out what's in it. Hi, I'm Grant from Who Pods a Watchman, a companion podcast for the HBO Watchmen series. And we got a package in the mail today addressed to Who Pods a Watchman. Mike Moody, Grant Davis, Clay LaPointe. That's the three of us that are collaborating on this project. And this was very unexpected. Taking a look inside the box, it came with two items. An album. This is Sons of Pale Horse, the book of Rorschach, a fictional album from the world of Watchmen. And this card here, a yellow card that says Volume 1. Also, there's a sticker that says Volume 1 here. So... I could only assume we're going to have multiple albums put out by the musical team working on Watchmen. That musical team, of course, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. They're making such amazing music here for the show. And they're also putting out a fictional album, which is so cool. So let's go ahead and open the yellow envelope first. On the other side, it's got a nice little red blood splatter. Just the iconic blood splatter from the comic book. And I already opened one. They actually sent us three of these, one for each of us. Amazing. And inside is this card. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, Watchmen, Volume 1. And inside it says, Watchmen was the ultimate punk rock comic book. So if you're going to produce a TV show or make music for a TV show inspired by this brilliant and unconventional pop culture pl classic, you have to bring your boldest and strongest game or you might as well not do it at all. One thing you can't do is make a standard issue TV soundtrack because standard issue TV soundtracks are pretty fucking boring. And Watchmen is anything but boring. What you hold in your hands is a special edition LP that tries to meet the standards set for us by making something that lives in the world of HBO's Watchmen. It's, well, maybe we should just shut up and let you find out for yourself what the hell this thing is. If you're curious about the usual blah 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 data points, you'll get it in the other editions of soundtracks credits, official track listings, etc. you'll find below. We hope you have fun with this because there's more like it to come. And there you have like the letter, you have the list of side A, track, side B, and then some credits on the back. And let's go ahead and dive into this album. Here I have the one that's already open. You can take a look at the cover art there. I don't know if you can really see it there close up, but it's got the dog's head, the German shepherd's head that's split open from Rorschach. If you recall in the comic book, one of the defining moments of him really taking on the identity of Rorschach was this moment where he uh, came across a crime and it involved these dogs and it was pretty horrific and he ended up um, hitting this dog in the head, splitting its head open. And this is what he ends up seeing in the inkblot tests that he's given at the prison psychological evaluation, the Rorschach test that he's actually given in the comic book is this dog's head. And then we see the ink blot over top of it that makes up that. We have the letters S-O-P-H, Sons of Pale Horse here, and it says the book of Rorschach. On the back side, you have the four members of the fictional band, Sons of Pale Horse here and with um, ink blots over top of their faces. Then you have the credit listing of all of the songs. Inside, we have this little 
pullout folder, which is holding the record. Here you can see the record. It's got some of that ink blot art as well on it, as well as the track listings. And on the inside sleeve, it's got two quotes from Rorschach. The first one says, this relentless world, there's only one sane response to it. And on this side, it says, regret nothing, lived life free from compromise and step into the shadow now without complaint. Those are some of the final words of Rorschach in his journal before he goes to his death, essentially, in the comic. Then the final element in here is this little write-up about the album. This is written by Seymour David and is called The Apocalypse That Wasn't. This is a pretty fascinating, really expansive write-up on not just the history of this fictional album within the world of Watchmen, but also a lot of what was going on in the timeline, like as far as filling in the gaps between what happens in the comic and what's happening present day in the TV show. A ton of really fun little Easter eggs and comments here. And the first thing I want to point out is that the band Sons of Pale Horse is a, an homage band to an original band from the Watchmen comic called Pale Horse. Pale Horse was obviously in reference to um, the the pale horse um, bringing on the apocalypse in Revelations. Pale Horse was also the name of the band during the time of the original Watchmen in the mid-80s and 85, and ends up dying during the D.I.E., the big squid attack that goes on. And what this goes on to describe is that Sons of Pale Horse was a band that popped up in the era that followed the events of Watchmen, an era that they describe as uh, an era of Luddites. There was this backlash to a lot of the technological advancement that had happened thus far in the world of Watchmen as a result of a fear of anything related to Dr. Manhattan. There was this idea that Dr. Manhattan was um, giving everyone cancer. He was carcinogenic and might have been giving people cancer or that there was something going on with his te the technology that was that he had helped create that was in some way relaying to aliens. And they wanted to shut off the world from a lot of that technology. This was a lot of the policy of President Gerald Ford, who was in the, in the interim between President Nixon and Robert Redford, President Redford in this world. And so there was a, a rejection of technology, a kind of... Uh, regressive pulling back to a simpler time. People were moving back to printing press. People were moving back to fossil fuels. And there was a lot of generational economic upheaval and people that were wealthy suddenly losing wealth and a lot of uh, hostility and resentment born from that. And from a lot of that, there were, were two sets of friends, Chris DeShane and Mike Ennis, as well as Dow X and Gene Casablancas, who formed the four writers of the Sons of Pale Horse, I guess. Krista Shane, the frontman, the lead of the band, is, that name, DeShane, is actually in reference to his cousin, Robert DeShane, who is notable in Watchmen because he was this powerful psychic who Adrian Veidt ends up taking the brain of <laughs> this kid and fusing it with the alien squid that he ends up exploiting in New York. 
So there is this connection directly between the frontman of this band and the kid that had the psychic powers that ends up causing the big squid attack event of Watchmen. Then Mike Ennis, I have to kind of believe that Ennis is an intentional last name in reference to Garth Ennis, the comic writer, very famous, wrote a lot of great things, might be familiar with The Boys over on Amazon. And then Gene Casablancas, uh, I would think that's probably a re- in reference to uh, Julian Casablancas, the front man from the, the Strokes, and does his own solo music as well. Guitarist Dow X, I'm not actually sure who that might be a direct reference to, but if you guys have any suggestions on what that might be, please let me know. This talks a lot about the history, and as I was mentioning, a lot of this is this band was born out of a lot of reference to other bands existing, a lot of influence with the times and this regressive Luddite behavior of rejecting technology. And these poor kids kind of rising up and having this um, aggressive reaction to all that. They talk a lot about other little influences of other bands. Jane's Addiction, Nine Inch Nails is actually referenced in here as a particular um, influence on this band. Uh, The Butthole Surfers. And they talk about how this particular album was their final album, a swan song to the end of their band existing. They decided to do an homage to Rorschach, the book of Rorschach. And this was actually really capturing the zeitgeist of the time. This is right around the mid-90s. And this became sort of like a calling card, inadvertently, for a lot of the alt-right racist Rorschach acolytes that were popping up, in, in particular like the 7th Cavalry in the show. And that, that's not what the intent was, according to at least three-fourths of the band. That wasn't the intent of this album. It was a commentary on the problematic nature of someone like Rorschach. But it does, interestingly enough, talk about how several of the bands were actually truthers in some regard. Some believing that Adrian Veidt was responsible for the D.I.E., the Squid Attack. Some believing that it was Cthulhu. But all of them being kind of young, impressionable kids. A lot of this really comes across as a good hodgepodge of real aspects and elements of our current culture, as well as this fictionalized universe and how they've managed to blend all of that together is really fascinating. They talk about the origins of the band kind of culminating after a particular movie was made by Steven Spielberg about the band Pale Horse, in which he was recreating this with this movie with Jeff Goldblum in one of the roles and they felt that it desecrated the memory of Pale Horse to the extent that they decided yes we're going to make our own band called Sons of Pale Horse and we're going to avenge their memory and right at the moment that they decided to do that there was a raining squid shower and they found that that was a true sign that this was their destiny to go ahead and make this band. I think that's just another uh, cool element that they've integrated into this story. I think one of the most fascinating details and something that we've definitely been discussing on the podcast and kind of waffling back and forth about how it is that the Tulsa PD had the owl ship, I think is actually finally addressed in here. There's a paragraph that goes on to talk about the reignition of a cultural fascination with masked vigilantes that 
struck right around mid-90s, around 1995. It says, interest reignited in 1995 when two famed second-generation costume adventurers sparked a media sensation by foiling domestic terrorists from detonating a lithium cluster bomb in Oklahoma City. Injured during the heroics and captured by police, they were offered plea deals. Lori Blake, known first as Silk Spectre, then the Comedienne, now works for the FBI Anti-Vigilante Unit. Dan Dryberg, dubbed Night Owl, accepted the 30-year sentence mandated by the Keene Act and issued a terse statement, Never compromise, never surrender. He was quoting Rorschach, who hadn't been seen since Halloween 85 when Dryberg and Blake raided New York State Penitentiary to bust him out. And there we have a pretty big answer. They were busted by Oklahoma PD, and that's why they had, presumably, the owl ship from Dan Dryberg. Additionally... Lithium cluster bombs are apparently being manufactured by terrorist cells in Oklahoma already. And now we see in modern day in the HBO show that the 7th Cavalry are accumulating a bunch of lithium batteries. And that's got to be because they're planning to make more of these lithium cluster bombs, probably for some other big terrorist attack. It's also pretty interesting to see that in a way Dan Dryberg has in this passage of time adopted some of the the sentiments of Rorschach in the never compromise, never surrender kind of mentality that's going on here. While they were partners in the comic book, it did seem like they were a little bit at odds with each other philosophically about their role as superheroes. And Dan Dryberg actually did compromise while Rorschach didn't. As a result, Rorschach was killed by Dr. Manhattan. But it's possible that that's why the police department has the Night Owl ship. Maybe they took it and they were able to reverse engineer it and send that out as a ship to multiple police stations. Or the original ship just happened to end up landing in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Maybe Senator Keene ended up giving the Owl ship to his little pet project of the Tulsa PD when they were moving to having masked vigilantes. He just took it out of police impound with his senatorial skills and was able to be like, hey, you guys now have access to this. Use it because I think it'll just play even more into whatever his grand scheme is with them dressing up as masked law enforcement. They go on to talk about how the album itself, the Book of Rorschach, was a sort of treatise, a biography on the life of Rorschach and his impact. The abuse of his mother, the absence of his father, the misogyny it seeded, the psychotic break that transmogrified his resentments into extremist ideology. They talk about that being a little bit of the inspiration. And it's really relevant, especially when you look at how a lot of contemporary fans of the Watchmen comic end up propping up inappropriately Rorschach as this sort of hero figure. You look at the the new Frontiersman magazine in the world of Watchmen and how it champions people like Rorschach um, for a lot of the kind of wrong reasons. And I think there's a lot of fanboys and, and toxic fandom that similarly props up characters like Comedian and and Rorschach and thinks that that's like this identity that's, that's cool, but it's actually got a lot of um, fascistic problems to it. And that was what they're claiming was a lot of their intent with this album. However, how they sold that, it seems like they might have failed because this became a reaffirmation for a lot of Rorschach acolytes, these white supremacist type people. And they they took on what the message was here inappropriately. And you can see the same kind of thing going on in in 
little forums like like 4chan, 8chan, and the the ability of certain groups and ideologies to manipulate very impressionable young men into becoming shitty people. Anyways, this is a really cool article, The Apocalypse That Wasn't. It has a ton more details in there, little references and Easter eggs and nods that I think you guys should all check out when you get a chance. Give it a good read. I think it's really fascinating. And I would love to thank whoever sent this to us. Mystery, uh, I'm assuming the people that made the album sent it to us, and however they found us, awesome. Thanks again for checking out this video. If you guys want to hear more from us, we are Who Pods the Watchmen. You can check us out at whopodsthewatchmen.com. Of course, feel free to like this video, subscribe to the channel, and, and give us your comments, your feedback on what you think is going on in here. We'd love to hear from you guys. And stay tuned for more videos from us about Watchmen.